0: Welcome to the Gregory Diggout Podcast. I'm really glad to be with you guys. It really is a highlight for me. Um, but I will say that a greater highlight would be if we have, do we have Galaga on here? Because I'll challenge because <laughs> I'll challenge anybody on that. Every Friday night, when I was when I was a teenager, every Friday night, we there was we would go to this arcade. And um, and it had all these like these games were like modern at that time. Obviously, this is old school, which is really cool. But these were all like that was current. That was this is like PlayStation four or PlayStation five or whatever. PlayStation is on now. That's what these games were for me. So uh, they're pretty cool. So and we'd have foosball. We had all this like this is there's just tell it just shows you there's nothing new under the sun. It all comes back to uh pac-man and asteroids and and ping pong you know at the the end of the at the end of the night but um but no we would go there every every friday i'll never forget it it was about two miles from my house that's where i found my fellowship at the time even though i wasn't saved it was the only place that i really had that i could say that's where my friends are and um and so kids need kids need to feel safe they need to feel like there is that there's that environment where that where it's their destination. Like, I didn't care about going to movies. I didn't care about uh, going anywhere else but that arcade. And it wasn't because of the games. It was because of the people that were there. And so life is all about people and um, and we're 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 made to build people. By the way, did you guys know we have the coolest elevator. I just took this elevator <laughs> up. It was really great. Um, <laughs> it's like the first time I've been in it. Um, <laughs> I remember installing it. That's the last last time. Uh, But um, but life is all about people. It's all about um, it's all about treating people the way that Jesus intended. And Jesus is Jesus is in this earth, but he's in this earth through us. And we are the only Jesus people are going to ever be able to touch and feel because we are his body. And um, so when we touch them, the body of Jesus is touching them. Remember the woman who said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She she kept saying that and she pushed through the crowd to touch just the hem, just the just the hem of his of his of his outfit, his 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 pants, his garment. And And as soon as she touched it, she was healed. And what does that tell us? It tells us a lot that that everybody's looking for a touch, number one. But number two, it tells us that Jesus body. Has as much power as Jesus head, he's the head and we're the body. And so when people touch us, it's like them touching the hem of his garment. We're the hem of his garment. We are the hem of his garment. And so when when people touch us, they're touching Jesus and we should expect the power of God to flow through us. All right, so. So I hope that 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 inspires you and encourages you that you're carrying you're carrying power with you. You're not powerless. You're powerful. You're full of power. Don't ever doubt that you, you we're Hey, we're all full of imperfections, but we're full of power. And, uh, you know, I want to I want to teach you a little bit out of um, one of my favorite scriptures, which is Genesis Chapter 12. And this is um, when I when I first received what I feel was God's calling in my life. God spoke to me out of this passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 12, and I'll read it to you here where he says, Now the Lord said to Abram, go out from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So you will be a bl- so you will be a blessing. Now, God spoke to me and he said in the same way that I called Abram out to to start a new movement of people to create a new a new race of people. He, he, God spoke to me and said, so I have called you out from the people that you were raised among. and and into a new place where I will make of you a great people and a great nation. And I'll never forget that I was like I was 17. I was sitting in my car. I had I think I was at the time I had a this uh, little this 1970 Pontiac Catalina. Uh, If you know anything about cars, uh, first of all, 1970 is like uh, a century ago almost, but it really is a half century ago. So um, but but um, it was it was the car. It was the first car that I bought myself. I paid three hundred dollars for it and then I had to pay three hundred dollars to fix the transmission because it was it was wasn't good. So six hundred dollars at that time. I don't know what that would be today, but it, it was a lot. And uh, for me anyway, at that time, but I remember sitting in the garage I was in the I was I was in my car. I pulled the car into my parents garage. Because they were gone at that time and and it was winter and I had to do some work on my on my car, change the spark plugs or something like that, which you guys know nothing about. Uh, (laughs) But. um, and that's when God spoke to me and he spoke to me out of this passage, passage of scripture. I had just gotten saved not too long before that. And he said, just as I have called Abraham out from among his family, I'm calling you out to create a new people. And uh, you're my you're my new people. <laughs> so, you know, th- you're the fruit. You guys are the fruit of what what God's calling was in my life. And he said. And, and, and there are so many young people that are going to be the fruit from the calling that's on your life. If you'll if you'll receive if you'll receive this as like, I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we all ended up here, but somehow we're in a meeting together on a Tuesday night and we're talking about the Bible. And we're talking about God and we're talking about his calling and we're talking about our purpose and we're talking about reaching young people and reaching the next generation. So however we got here, it's by no it's it's by no means an accident. And so I would like take this as God speaking to you about the calling that you have to reach others, to reach your generation, to reach the next generation. And um, and so uh, if you I'm going to come back to this in Genesis in Genesis 12, but I want to just show you something from Genesis. uh, Let me see where where this verse is. I wanted to pull um, pull on Isaiah. It's actually Isaiah 51 talks about Abraham here. It's really cool. So depending on what translation of Bible you have, Isaiah 51 it says, listen to me verse one, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and from the quarry from which you were dug. And then he says in verse uh, in verse two, look to Abraham, your father. And he says, and to Sarah, who bore you for when he was one, I called him when he was one. I called him. Now, I don't know how your verse says it or your translation says it, but mine says it when he was one. I called him. And of course, that's not referring to when he was one year old, it's referring to when he was one person. When he was by himself, when nobody else was there, when nobody else was there to help, nobody else was there to give, nobody else was there to dig, nobody else was there to do anything. Nobody else was there to validate him. Nobody else was there to affirm him. Nobody else was there to, to, to encourage him. Nobody else was there to um, to strengthen him. Nobody else was there to help him. And God said when he was one person I called him now. Abraham is millions and millions, if not billions of people. So all of the Jewish race considers Abraham their father. All of Christianity considers Abraham our father. Now, you guys are smart enough to be able to like for me to show you some really great scriptures, right? Yeah. You're not just you don't need to be babied here. You don't you need to You don't need to, we don't, It's not we're not playing patty cake. We are getting we are we I want to instill inside of you greatness or awaken inside of you the greatness that's already there. OK, that's my intention. So 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 since everybody is claiming that they're the descendants of Abraham we might as well find out where we fit into that. And I want to teach you this verse in Galatians, chapter three, Galatians, chapter three. And look here in verse twenty nine and he says this Galatians, chapter three, verse twenty nine. Now, if we belong to Christ, then we are Abraham's seed. And we are heirs, according to promise, if we belong to Christ, he says so. The moment you're born again, the Bible says we're the seed of Abraham. We're descend- I know this sounds like, oh, why are we getting into a history lesson? I don't know. I, I get around this area of the building and I feel like educational. Um, but uh, because this is the because I was 17 when I heard when I read this verse. So you don't have to be 30 to understand this verse. I was 17 when I first got a hold of this. 18 years old, I first started believing God that because he had saved me from so much, I was I was going to just take this Bible and eat it alive and believe every word of it. And I still do believe every word of it. And I still am believing for every promise in it to come to pass. And there's really no, no other source of healing, joy, peace, hope, victory, promise other than the Bible. The Bible is the greatest gift that we've been given besides Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit. We've been given the word of God. So I get excited when I'm talking about the word of God. And uh, it's not just because we could reach people and by being cool and we can get all we can get a bunch of kids in here by being cool and having cool things for them. But at the end of the day, if we don't if we don't teach them and plant the seeds of God's word in their life they're not going to grow up to be great people they're not going to grow up to know how to win battles they're not going to grow up to know who they are in Christ they're not going to grow up to know how to deal with trials and to deal with temptation and to deal with fear they're not going to grow up and know how to deal with relationships they're not going to grow up and know how to navigate through tough times in their marriage and tough times in their in raising kids. And they're not going to grow up knowing how to handle their business and their money and their life and their emotions and their mind and their fears and their anxieties until they learn the word of God. And now there are creative ways to teach them. But at the end of the day, this is what we got. This is what we have to offer. We got the Bible and we got we got the beautiful promises from God's word not to beat people over the head with, but to give people hope. Okay? Because that's all I get from the Bible. I just get hope from it. There's no never I never read the Bible and feel hopeless. I read the Bible and all my hopelessness disappears. I never read the Bible and become anxious. I read the Bible and my anxieties disappear. I never read the Bible and get sick. I read the Bible and get healed. I never read the Bible and feel alone. I read the Bible and feel comforted. I never read the Bible and feel lost. I read the Bible and feel found. So that's what I want to encourage you to believe about this Bible. And let's not as young people and as leaders to to reach young people, let's not be afraid of sharing the Bible. This is the only thing we got. This is the best thing on planet Earth that is going to give people hope and to give and to set people free. It's not the truth doesn't make people free. But the, but knowing the truth, he said, you shall know the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and it will make you free. If this Bible and scripture, you could memorize scriptures and have this sit on your desk and you could you could memorize scriptures and know scriptures by heart, but not know what they mean and not know the truth about what he's trying to say. And you'll stay in bondage. But the Bible says when you know the tr- Jesus said when they know the truth, it will make them free. So truth doesn't make people free, but knowing truth makes people free really understanding what it means makes people free. So I want to just encourage you to to embrace the calling on your life, no matter who's a fan of it, no matter who's an encourager of it, no matter who's a supporter of it or who's not a supporter of it. Embrace the calling on your life to be a leader. Embrace the calling on your life to be to become great. You know, and and when I say that, I really mean it when I say nobody can put greatness in you. But what our job is and what my what I see my job is, is to awaken the greatness that's in you It's to awaken something in you. It might be a sleeping giant. It might be something that is that you feel it's dead to you. But I'm telling you, you wouldn't be here if there wasn't some sort of calling on your life. And as you grow and Hear my heart here. As you grow and as you keep jumping hurdles and as you keep pushing the pile and as you keep running your race, people are gonna not keep up with you. Not everybody's gonna keep up with you. And you gotta be okay with that. You gotta be okay with being alone. You gotta be okay with being one. Like I was the only person in my family among my relatives that ever knew what it meant to be born again. I never had heard it. None of my relatives ever were born again. Nobody. I was the first person that I know of. that got born again. And then I started leading some of my relatives to the Lord. But I but but I didn't wait for them. I said, come on, let's go. I'm moving forward. Come with me. But they didn't necessarily want to come with me. That's okay. I don't judge them. I'm not mad at them. But I just have to be I have to honor what is sacred to me. And that is the calling of God on my life to when he said, I will make of you something great and I will make you a blessing. I will bless you so you can be a blessing. And so I look at my life as my life is to be a blessing. My life is not to take. My life is not to get somebody else to do something for me. I don't need anybody's Praise. I don't need anybody's applause. I don't need anybody. If I if I am encouraging people to applaud, it's to stir up a feeling in an, in a meeting so that we can so that we can create the energy and the atmosphere of positivity and expectation. I don't ever need an applause. I don't ever want one. I don't really care. I don't even know the last time I that I heard it, or even if somebody did. If I walked into a guest as a guest speaker in a meeting, and people applauded, I don't even. That's the farthest thing. I don't want praise. I don't look for that. I don't need somebody to affirm me, to like me, to love me, to make me you know, my calling has nothing to do with my fulfillment. I'm fulfilled as a child of God. I'm fulfilled as a son of the king. I'm fulfilled as in my relationship with my heavenly father. That's where I get my fulfillment from my calling is not where I get my fulfillment from. My calling is where I honor the fulfillment that I have. I honor it and I say, you know what? I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life and who God is to me, that I'm going to honor my calling. I'm going to honor that. I'm going to I'm going to fulfill that calling because I'm already fulfilled. What I've seen a lot of pastors and preachers and and youth leaders and all sorts of in leader in all different levels of leadership, even in business. I see a lot of people, they want to be successful to feel good about themselves. And that's the wrong reason to be successful. We should already feel good about ourselves because God loves us. We should already feel good about ourselves because we're, we're 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 comfortable in our own skin. We should already feel good about ourselves because God is for us, not against us. You should really, really like you should really, really, really stop at this very moment and think about yourself in your current condition and like yourself in your current condition. You really need to like who you are right now. I'm not saying to settle for who you are, settle for where you are in life, but you need to like who you are right now. I'm not. I don't I'm not going to like myself better if more people come to the church. I'm not going to like myself better if if um, if more people get healed. I'm not going to like myself better if, you know, if I if I eat better, I'm I eat better because I like myself already. You know, I take care of myself because I like myself. I'm not taking care of something so I can like it. I'm taking care of something I already like right like god took care of us he loved us and then he washed us he already loved us that's why he took care of washing us because he already loved us in revelation chapter one all right so as leaders we don't need to wait for somebody else to create the positive vibes we must take it upon ourselves to turn the positive vibe uh, thermostat up on high and bring vibe, bring good vibes everywhere we go. And that means in a meeting like this, it means in um, a one on one meeting with somebody, it means if you're on Wednesday night, it means at a youth event, whatever you guys do at camp, at, you know, at at events you go to to kids schools, uh, whenever we come to church on Sunday, like Sunday, we shouldn't be dragging ourselves in because we were up so late Saturday. We should be setting the thermostat. Let's not wait for. Are you waiting for your parents to set the thermostat, guys? Like, are we really going to wait for our parents to set the thermostat? Like we need to set the thermostat on Sunday. Don't wait. Some of your parents come to church here and some of them don't. But look, don't wait for somebody else to set. The, don't wait for anybody to set the thermostat. You set the thermostat you set it on high praise you set it on happy you know thoughts you set it on joy you say well i'm i'm going through see sometimes we so pamper ourselves that that we that any time we feel something it's a crisis like i feel really anxious it becomes a crisis i feel really depressed it becomes a crisis let me tell you something about how i deal with depression Like, I recognize it. Like, if you ever saw the movie um, Beautiful Mind, did anybody see that? That's a long time ago. But uh, you should see that. It's a great movie with Russell Crowe. Yeah, it's old. 2002 or something like that. Um, But uh, but in this movie, he plays this professor that has all these hallucinations and he's psychotic. And at first, his whole objective was to get rid of all of these hallucinations. He would see people talking to him. He would have these multiple personalities and he would have all these people show up and they would start talking to him, but they were all in his head. And he just what he did was and through the, you know, through the movie, he's his struggle is just so painful and it's just so, you know, it's just so sad. And then at the end. And this gives it away. So now you don't have to watch it. But um, he he still sees the people. But what he's learned is not to listen to them. And so every day I feel a depressing feeling. I just don't listen to it anymore. I used to make a crisis about it. Oh, I'm depressed every day. I have an anxious thought and I used to stop and like have like, like give it attention and think, oh, if I have a depressing feeling, that means I'm depressed and I better sit here and just become depressed. I better sit here and let this depression talk to me. But I, I just started to just keep driving. You know, one time God spoke to me a year ago or so, and and I was just driving in my car and I just was a Monday and like after Sunday, I get this like hangover from, you know, all the tequila. I mean, all the church <laughs> services. I mean, all the church services and uh, <laughs> uh, but um, no, but seriously, uh, I get these hangovers on on Monday, like I get sort of down. like, what could I have done different? And could I could I have preached better? And, and could I have said this and could I have you know done this? And you go through that. And for 20 something years, I've had those thoughts come to me. But like a year ago, um, and I was feeling weighed down. And it's like all these things, like all my imperfections. And and how did I do on, uh, on Sunday? And did it was I good enough for my own for myself, not for anybody else. But did I feel good enough myself? And I go through all these gymnastics in my mind. And and God said, why do you even care? I heard the Lord say, why do you even care what you feel right now? So you feel down, so you feel depressed. Don't you know that's going to go away? It might go away in an hour. It might go away in a day. Stop giving attention to it and it'll go away a whole lot faster. And then as soon as I as soon as I heard that voice and felt that it was like it it didn't matter to me anymore. I was completely set free. And this guy called me up out of nowhere in total depression. And he's like, do you have an answer for me? Like this is a guy I hadn't talked to in years. He said, do you have an answer for me? I'm dealing with depression. And I had just had that experience and I told him what, what I had just gone through and it completely set him free. And so it was like instead of like fighting the feelings, just realize that they don't they don't matter. Who cares what you feel? Your feelings are not God. Your feelings are not your feelings are not your feelings don't have scars in their hands and a nail print in their feet and a hole in their side because they had to wear a crown of thorns on their head. So don't give your feelings the attention. We give our feelings more attention than we give to Jesus. And he's the one that died for us. So do not trust your feelings, like have your feelings and feel free to feel anything you want to feel. But don't give it power to control you. That's how I got set free from it. And I think you're probably just like me in that way where you have those feelings and you have those moments where everything comes together. And you know how everything comes together and it's bad. It's a bad together, everything coming together. None of it's good. And it just weighs you down. And it oppresses you and depresses you and suppresses you. And you, at least for me, maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm just having therapy right now for myself. But so you guys just sit there and enjoy the show. But I'm just like, wow, this is so liberating for me to not have to care how I feel rather than thinking I'm doing something wrong. That's why I feel this way or um, or I'm, I'm I have a crisis. That's why I feel this way or I have an emotional problem. That's why I feel this way. I don't think that anymore, but I used to think that and and in small, sometimes larger ways, I felt that in larger ways and sometimes I I've, I've, I've felt that in smaller ways. Now, when the feelings come, I'm like I'm I kind of laugh like they don't have any power over me anymore. They don't have any power over my decision, my choice. I'm still going to walk in love. I'm still going to do my best to be kind. I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to sing. I'm not going to let it make me like I'm going to just sing when I'm sad. I'm going to sing, sing when I'm glad I'm going to sing. Should, we shouldn't just wait to worship God when we feel like it. When we feel good, we should just like be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I feel like. I'm going to put on Kanye's new album and I'm going to worship God. <laughs> or whatever you want to play. Uh, I can worship God to anything. I can worship God to, you know, come on, baby, light my fire, which is a song from the doors like 50 years ago. Uh, But um, so it's just. Feelings are 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 great when they're positive. But they're not so great when they're negative. So I just learned I'm not riding the roller coaster anymore. They're there, but they're not my guide. They're not my God. They're not my crisis anymore. They're not really my problem anymore. I don't even care. Sometimes it's a feeling because your chemicals in your body are going off in a different way. Sometimes it's a feeling because the because it's dark and dreary out and it's only October. Uh, sometimes it's the sun is out and it's shining. You're like, this is going to be a great day. And like you, you got to be like, it's going to be a great day because you're great. It's going to be a great day because God loves you. It's going to be a great day because God said he's going to make you great. All right. So is is that enough? You want you want some more. You guys want some more. Um, So let me tell you what greatness means to me, like being great. Uh, Great doesn't mean being perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. And in fact, it's an insult to God for us to be perfect, because the Bible says No one is perfect except God alone. So if so. So if only God is perfect, then us even trying to meet a standard of perfection is is really like it's an insult. It's like, let's not even try to do that. So the goal is not to be perfect people. The goal is not to be um, to have a perfect event like we want our we want camp next summer to be great. We want it to be perfect. We want Wednesday night to be perfect. We want Sunday morning to be perfect. We want the events that we do to be perfect. No, we have to stop wanting anything to be perfect because nothing can be and nothing will be. So why frustrate ourselves with a goal that is completely unachievable? Look, we're going to have imperfections in our life. We're going to have imperfections with our relationships. And so we need to learn how to be patient with ourselves and patient with others. And if I can tell you. If you can learn how to be patient with yourself and patient with others. That's like we've been talking on Wednesdays about emotional intelligence. That's really, really intelligent. If you can be patient with yourself and you will then be patient with others, if you're impatient with others, it's because you're probably impatient with yourself. And if you're impatient with yourself, I'm going to kind of try to stay away from you because then you're going to be impatient with me. And I need people to be patient with me because I'm a work in progress and so are you. So I'm always going to be patient with you like God. God waited four thousand years after Adam and Eve sinned before he solved the problem. He was patient, he was waiting for the perfect time. He waited four days after Lazarus died before he got there. By now, Lord, remember, Martha was like, by now he stinks. You know, he's been in the grave four days. Jesus is patient. For some of us, I got saved, you know, at a young age, I was 16, uh, bordering on 17. Some of you got saved younger. Some of you got saved older. God knows what you need. And he's patient with you and he's patient with me. We need to be patient with ourselves in this process of becoming great leaders because God is patient with us. You know, he, he made the world in six days, but he's been working on you for twenty five years. So you got to. I mean, he values you um, to be one to want to work on you that long. Um, so. So greatness doesn't mean per- perfect, I can tell you what I think it means. It means greatness means humility. Greatness means having an abundance of humility. Um, Like humility is to is to be soft hearted, you know, to be to be pliable, to be teachable, to be learnable, to be somebody that wants to learn, you know, greatness is humility. Like like Jesus said, the greatest among you is the servant of all. And it doesn't mean we go running around to prove that we're better servants than others. It means that we're so secure. In ourself. That serving others is not a is is not a threat to us, serving others is not an insult to us, picking up the garbage like for me to pick up the garbage is not an insult. Like what? Where's the youth leaders? Why aren't they? Where's the you know, where's the building uh, department? Why aren't they cleaning? Oh, there you are, Brandon. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Where's the building department? Where's the you know team is supposed to like to me? It's like my it's it's my church because I'm a member here and I'm a servant of God. Like I'm 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 a I'm a son in my I'm a son in my heart. I'm a son of God in my heart, but I'm a servant of God in my hands. You know, if you if you can get if you can learn that combination, like I know that I know that I know that God sees me the way he sees Jesus, like I'm his son, like like I hear him saying, you're my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. Like I, I I envision God speaking that to me all the time because I really believe that's how he feels. But in my in my hands, I'm a servant. So my hands are here to serve you, to get dirty, to roll up my sleeves, to to, to clean up a mess. Nothing is like too low for somebody who's great. But nothing is high enough for someone who's small. Do you, do you understand what I'm what I'm saying? Nothing is too low for someone who's truly great inside. They know they're great inside, not by bragging or by boasting, but by being confident that you're a son or a daughter of God. Like that means you're great. You're you're great enough that Jesus was willing to die for you. That makes you pretty awesome. Like he didn't die for the rocks. He didn't die for the candy. He didn't die for the trees. He, He didn't die for the animals. He died for us. Like that's how much he thinks of us. He thinks so highly of us. So I think highly of myself in, in a in a godly way, which means nothing is too low for me to get down and serve at the lowest level. But if I'm small inside, then nothing will be high enough to make me feel better about myself. Even if I'm in charge of everything, I'm still not going to feel good because inside I'm deficient until I know who I am. And now I know who I am, and now I want you guys to know who you are. You guys. You're great. I'm just telling you how great people are supposed to think you're already great. Now you need to adopt great mentalities. Okay, you're already great. Now you need to have great mentalities, great mindsets, great thoughts. Um, So. So greatness is humility. Greatness is gratitude. You know, greatness is gratefulness. Um, Just always being thankful, like I really felt when I I really felt when I came here thankful. That's why the first thing I said was Thanks, you guys, for coming. Like I feel really thankful to be with you tonight, and it's it's a privilege, it's an honor. I love it. It's great. I I just think it's I think the world of you guys because you're you're reaching what's precious to God. You know, young people. Uh, old people are precious too, and we want to reach everybody. <laughs> but you know we we usually have to rescue old people because we didn't reach young people. And that's really hard. It's really, really hard to rescue older people when we could just reach them when they're young, because studies show that like something like 70 or 80 percent of people that get saved. And that get born again, become a Christian, have a conversion, that it happens before they're 25 years old for 80 percent of the people that get saved, they get saved before they're 25 years old. Only 20 percent of the people that get saved, get saved later in life. That doesn't mean we shouldn't keep reaching them, but it's just harder to reach. It's harder to to get people to learn a new way. When they're older, we get set in our ways, we get comfortable, we get stubborn, we don't get that way. We're not going to get that way here. I don't want to get that way. But that's typically how people get when they get older. And um, so. Uh, I, I think that re- reaching young people is just a it's just a great privilege for all of us and we should never, you know, see it as. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. It doesn't this doesn't satisfy me anymore. Well, it wasn't. Jesus should be the one who satisfies you. This should be an overflow of your satisfaction that you already have, not a not a not not something that fills a deficiency inside of you. OK, because when somebody needs to be in an involved like this to fill a, a deficiency in them, there, there's something unhealthy there. There's something unhealthy. I don't want you guys to be unhealthy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be here because you want to help young people because you want to f- spill over. You want to overflow. Um, so let me I'll take a few more minutes with this. Um, if you don't mind, greatness to me is it's gratitude. It's just gratefulness. It's just th- thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's just thanking people for everything they ever do for you. Thanking God for everything he ever does for you. Thanking God for Jesus every day. Thankful, thankful, thankful. It's just the best place to be emotionally and mentally. And you can't be thankful and negative at the same time. It's just not possible. So whenever you see yourself going negative, go go thankful, go thankative on it and you start (laughs) thanking God and negativity will leave you. You don't have to try to get rid of negativity, just add gratitude and negativity will leave you. It'll flee. It doesn't want to be around gratitude. You know, negative people don't want to be around positive people, right? They don't want to be around you when you're they're like, oh, you know, you're too positive. Uh, (laughs) That's because they're too negative, not because there's anything wrong with you. All right. So um, and greatness means consistency. Like, you know, we all know what to do. We just need to stop making excuses for why we don't do it consistently. We all know we should exercise. We all know we should, you know, give. We all know we should um, study. We all know we should, you know, uh, write thank you notes when somebody does something for us. Like we, we all know to show up to work on time. We all know what to do to find solutions. But we need to become consistent at doing those things. Greatness is not found in great achievements. It's it's built up, It's built by consistent stone built, consistent stone built upon consistent stone built upon consistent stone built upon consistent stone. It's consistency. It's consistency. So it's not a huge breakthrough. It's consistently just beating the hammer against the wall a thousand times until the wall comes tumbling down. It's not it's not a it's not a, a wrecking ball that comes in and, and does it. It's just boom, boom, boom. It's a hammer every day. It's, it's being consistent every day. It's and you don't see results when you when you when you go the path of consistency, you don't see immediate results. But people want immediate results. So they get into fad diets and they get into fad eating and they get into fad exercises and they can't keep that up. You can't keep stuff up like that. You can't keep you there's no way to be consistent at things that are that are just built upon the excitement of the moment and the hope of an instant an instant result. You don't get instant results with anything good. Nothing good comes through through instantly other than like a miracle from God. But that took Jesus to die on the cross for. So like that didn't come easily either. But my point is, is nothing in your life being uh, promoted, being um, being used by God, building a great youth ministry, building a great church, building a great family. None of it comes instantly. It comes through consistency, consistently doing the things you already know, like there's probably nothing new you need to be told today. You just need to be consistent at what you already know. That's that's my observation in life. Like I really believe. Like every day I pray in tongues. Like I'm consistent like I and I I've had I've had maybe three times in my life where I've actually had a vision or a dream that was like really like technicolor, like a movie scene, like Jesus is in the room. And you know that, you know, this is real. That's only happened to me maybe three times in my entire life as a Christian over thirty five years. But you know what? I pray in tongues every day and I'm consistent at it. And I see people's lives changed. I see we get testimonies of people who are getting their miracles and getting their breakthroughs and getting their healing, getting their getting saved, getting born like to me that's better than having an emotional experience with God. I pray in tongues and I don't feel anything, but I'm consistent at it. Every day, every day, every day. Every day, every every day. Not a day's going to go by that I'm not praying in tongues. You'll find me somewhere praying in tongues. It might seem weird, but when I did my radio show called Ask the Pastor, every question was spontaneous and it was unscripted and I didn't know what questions were going to come and it was live radio. And I know that praying in tongues in the morning every day brought me answers in the afternoon every day. And so I'm telling you guys, the modern day church that is just cool but wants to hide, you know, like we don't we're not really proud of the Bible or we're not proud of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues like I'm telling you. I started praying in tongues when I was 17 years old and I haven't stopped since. And that's consistency. I consistently speak God's word. I consistently try to treat people well, not do don't succeed at it all the time, but I'm trying to be consistent. I know what to do. I know when somebody gets on my nerves how to react consistently walking in kindness and love and. And it's just consistency, you guys, like if if some like if if people just showed up for church every Sunday and every Wednesday and just took one thing out of what they heard and did it and acted on it, their lives would be a hundred times better than it is right now. But because people have all sorts of excuses why they didn't come, why they were busy, why something else came up and all these things and all these excuses. And we make excuses, too. And we got to stop making excuses because greatness doesn't come in a in a in a canister of excuses. It comes in a canister of of freaking eating your spinach every day and, you know, eating the vegetables and, and and doing the boring things like like when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was like boring pouring the water in the like he said, put water pour water in the water pots. And these guys, there's no emotion there. There's no there's no feeling there. There's no water. We already have water. We need wine. We ran out of wine. We didn't run out of water. He said, just pour water into the water pots. It's boring. But they consistently poured the water in until it went all the way to the top. And then Jesus said, now take some out. And as they took it out, it had turned into wine and they had their miracle and everybody's excited and everybody's happy and everybody's, you know, having a party and the party continues. Right. But why? Because. They did the boring thing because he said to. It's just they're just pouring water like when you read the Bible, it's just it's pouring water into your life, but it will turn into wine once it gets to the top. This is the solution. If I can say this, you guys, this is the solution to every problem on earth. Consistency. There's nothing that consistency can't fix. There's nothing that it can't solve. Like if you consistently eat the right foods, you will consistently be healthy. If you consistently pray, you will consistently walk in power. If you consistently uh, speak God's word, you're going to consistently have miracles happening in your life. If you consistently treat people well, your life is going to be a, a, just a, a garden of being treated well by others. Um, so if you show up to these meetings consistently, you're going to become a leader. But if you hit and miss and I'll come, you know, maybe when I, if I can fit it in, like you got to be consistent at this stuff, you guys. I know it's taking time out of your schedule. It's taking time out of your whether you're in school or you have a job or you have both. Uh, But in the end, your consistency is going to turn into changed lives and kids getting saved and being set free and breaking addictions. And like we anything can consistency can solve anything. So this is what develops momentum in our life. Consistency develops momentum and. It's you got to take it as your responsibility to do the things that you know you need to do, start doing them every day. Um, It'll really change your life. And then greatness. I'll give you two more things that greatness to me. Greatness means accountability. You'll never be great if you're not accountable, like if you're not. When I say accountability, it doesn't mean anybody owns you or uh, but it means that we're accountable, like on a football team. Everybody's accountable to each other. They're accountable to their coach, but they're accountable to the quarterback. They're accountable to one another. They're accountable. Uh, the offensive line is account- accountable to each other. Hey, I'm going to cover my spot, but you've got to cover yours. And if we hold each other accountable, we're going to protect the quarterback. Or if we hold each other accountable to rush around the line, we're going to uh, we're going to sack the quarterback like there has to be accountability. Like we can't just think that our actions don't matter or what we do doesn't matter. We have to be accountable to 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 one another and accountable to show up and accountable to grow up and accountable to to be people that, you know, will let somebody speak into our lives and not be afraid or defensive like this is to me. You can never be great when you're defensive, when you're like offended. <laughs> i this guy wrote in for some count for some advice for me the other day and I said, well, you might be offended by what I'm going to say to you, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. And sure enough, as soon as I said it, he was offended and he's like, just forget it. Just forget it. I don't I, I because he didn't want to hear like people sometimes want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear what the answer really is. And I said to him, you want an immediate solution to what has been what you have perpetuated for 20 years and you want me to give you an answer in two minutes on Facebook or whatever. And you're going to and, 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 and you think that's going to solve 20 years of bad decisions like you got you have to wake up to some realities here. It doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Well, never mind. Forget it. Like, what? how can you ask for advice and then question the manner in which it's given to you? Well, I don't uh, You should. You know, how come you don't, you know, I don't have time for you. you don't you're not even my. you're not even in my church. And I'm trying to help you. I'm not even your pastor. I should have asked him, who's your pastor? Because you're a disaster. That's my kindness flowing. Um, but you got to be you got to be accountable. You have to have personal accountability and you have to be accountable to others like like we like if you don't show up and if you don't do your part, Like you need to you need to welcome somebody saying, hey, you didn't do your part. Like, come on, let's grow up and let's be leaders. It's accountability and um, and greatness means knowing. um, I I guess I could just say it. uh, Greatness means honor. Um, We were talking about it the other day. Some of you guys were with me and it says that when Jesus went to his own hometown, it says he said they started asking questions like, who does he think he is? And isn't he the son of Mary? And isn't he the brother of Joseph?" and isn't he this? We know all his sisters. We know all his brothers. Who does he think he is doing thinking he's he can do these miracles? And when they questioned him, they the Bible, Jesus said a prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown. And then it says and he could do no miracle. He could do no miracle there. He couldn't do a miracle there because they didn't honor. They didn't have the spirit of honor. The spirit of honor is to me like we honor God. That means he, he carries more weight than that's what the word means to honor. It means to, it means to carry weight. He, God carries more weight than anything else in my life. So I honor God, I honor the house of God, like what happens in my church, matters. It's heavy to me. It weighs heavily upon me. That as a member, not as the pastor, but just as a member. So I honor. I honor the house. I honor authority. I honor those in authority. Like what, whether it's a policeman. Like every time I see the, the cops here, I always, as much as I can, when I see them, I go up to them. Thank you for being here, officer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so I finally get this one response from one of these officers. He sends me an email yesterday or the day before. So I just want you to know I'm on the security detail at the church. I'm a Hoffman Estates police officer. And whenever I get a chance, I like to come and hear what you have to say as well. And he says, never have I been there and God didn't speak to me through you. Police officer is telling me this. And he said, every time it's exactly what I need to hear and And he's like he's a man in authority. And so I honor him when I see him and I honor his badge and I honor what he does to protect us. And then he's a man of honor because he honors the word that he's hearing. And everybody should show honor to each other at some level, like you're honoring me by listening to me. But I need to honor your time by letting you go. So uh, (laughs) so we honor each other at every level at every level. We honor authority. We honor each other. We honor the word that we hear. So um, that's some of my thoughts about uh, awakening the greatness inside of you. I hope that encourages you, ministers to you, challenges you.